All right. Are we? Are we? I've been rolling. Been rolling. Been rolling. 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 I don't know where that <laughs> goes, other than the commercial, the fucking Walmart commercials from oh, the nineties. No. Oh right no. <laughs> That oh. too, that too, but I didn't know the actual lyrics other than the rollback. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. We're punchy. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if this naughty to ruse your lips, take your shoulders, take your hips. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Welcome to your weekly dose of ladies. I'm Hannah. I'm Deanna. Oh, that was so nice. I know. That was almost like we rehearsed that. I know. And this is a weekly podcast about ladies. Yep. From all times. That's that. All of history. All of history. Human history. Yep. 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 Well, that's we not do like it? we rehearsed it, is it? <laughs> okay, yeah. And it's obvious once more that we do this. Whoops. Um, yes. By the skin of our teeth every, every We time. should do it. And uh, I'm going to read you, because the world is trash, and I don't want to read you any of the trash things. Thank I'm you. I'm going to read you something that I briefly looked at, so I hope it's as sweet as it looked. Um <laughs> When I glanced at it, but it's from the relationships Reddit. Okay. And there's a Twitter account that, you know, brings out the best ones and Mm. screenshots them. Because you don't generally live on Reddit, right? I do not. I do not. So I wait. I let Twitter tell me which ones are fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, That wasn't a judgy thing. No. For anyone listening. That was just purely me going, I don't see you as a person on Reddit. I've never understood it, to be perfectly honest. I don't. I think we're too old. I... (laughs) Don't tell me that. (laughs) Um, All right. So this one is the subject is 41 male questioning sexuality after making a new friend. I know this one. (laughs) So uh, he says he writes throwaway account as I am an avid Redditor. So he probably he's older than us. So throw everything I just said out the window. Yeah. Um, We're just not cool enough, I guess. No. I mean, but that's always been true. (laughs) Uh, I have been contemplating writing this out because I feel like that action alone could offer me some much needed introspection. I will try not to drag on, but I apologize if I do. I have always considered myself comfortable with who I have grown to be. I've worked hard in life, have a four-year degree, a great career, financial stability, loving friends, wonderful family. In many ways, I've done well for myself. However, in terms of love, I am missing my mark. I've been single for about seven years. Prior to that, I dated my fair share, never was engaged or married, but I've had long-term relationships, weekend flings, and everything in between. Following my last relationship, I decided to take a break from the dating scene and work on my career. So far, it's paid off, jumping two promotions in seven years. Nice. I felt unfulfilled in that department, but I was surprised how easily I could go seven years without missing, dating, or companionship. I just didn't miss it that much. A friend invited me out for beers and darts a few weeks ago. We usually go to the same little pub where we know most of the normal faces. It's not uncommon for us to mix with the people playing at the board next to us. This night was no different. Two guys set up on the board next to ours. We made small talk with them here and there. One of the men said his goodbyes and left, and the other guy stayed behind and shot darts by himself. 
Uh, we offered him, let's call him James, a place on our board and shot some games of cutthroat. Things got fun, we drank quite a bit, and we were having a lot of fun. My friend said he was ready to take off, but James and I were having a good, a good time, so we decided to stay a bit longer. My friend took off, James and I had a couple more rounds, we had quite a bit in common, and it felt like I was hanging out with an old friend. He told me he had a rec room with a pool table and dartboards at his house with a built-in bar. He showed me a few pictures of the room, I was thoroughly impressed. He suggested we go hang out there, and I was on board. Since neither of us drove to the bar, we caught an Uber. We shot a few games of pool, chatted this about more personal stuff. I know. It's just Keep like, going. it's the sweetest little thing. Um, James is a lot like me. He never married, and he was a career. He is a <clears throat> career-minded guy. Things sort of took a turn in conversation when he asked me about my sexuality. He asked if I ever had a phase or experimented. I sort of laughed a bit and said, no, no, that wasn't something I had ever done. He made one or two small remarks about it in jest, and that was it. About uh, another hour passed, and I told him I was taking off. We exchanged numbers and agreed to hang out again the following weekend. Uh, and... Boop, sorry. Um, I get home, off to bed. I get a text from him asking if I made it home safe. I didn't think too much into it, but I did tell him I got home. The next day, Sunday, I got up and did my normal Sunday shuffle off the Saturday night booze of going on a jog, hitting my favorite lunch spot, blah, 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 about 3 p.m. sounds very healthy. Yeah. I can't drink the night away and wake up and go for a run. And I'm, I just thought it was because I was too old, but he's 41. A 41. God. That's his, and that's his routine. Shuffle off the booze by going on a jog and his favorite lunch spot. And at about 3 o'clock, I get a text from James asking if I was interested in coming over around 6 because he was going to grill up some fish and have a couple friends over. Uh, I thought that would be fun, so I went. We had another good time. This time, I only stayed a couple hours, and when I got there, he told me his two friends canceled, so it would just be us. Ooh! <laughs> slick. <laughs> it wasn't a huge deal because he's good company. And I took off around nine. He sent me a text after I left saying he had fun and is looking forward to the weekend plans we made. The next day, he sent me a text telling me about something funny that happened to him. <laughs> I feel like it's important to note I don't text people throughout the day. I guess I'm sort of old school that I don't chit chat with people via text very often. So to me, James is reaching out more than I'm used to my friends doing, but I don't mind. I look forward to talking to him. Um, after work, I went to the gym. <laughs> I saw someone who kind of looked like him, and it made me think of him. Oh, <laughs> on one of the TVs in front of the treadmills, they were showing a TV show uh, that we had talked about, and that made me think of him. At the grocery store picking up dinner stuff, I walked past the seafood section, and that made me think of him. Oh, my <laughs> God. He's got it bad. That's so cute. We texted throughout the week. I even started keeping my phone at my desk so I could text him. This isn't like me at all. Finally, Saturday comes around and plans go off like normal. I actually got to his place a couple hours early. A couple hours? A couple hours early. Jesus. Ooh, eager beaver. Seriously. Um, he suggested I invite my friend I was with when we met. I did. We all had a terrific time. James cooked, blah, blah, blah. The end of the night comes around. Mark said he wanted to take off again. I felt the urge to stay and hang out even longer, which is exactly what I did. This time, we sat on James's pool deck until 2 a.m. talking about everything. I realized the time... I realized the time and had to take off. He understood, and instead of shaking hands, he hugged me. 
Um, this is not usual for me, but it felt so naturally acceptable, like I wanted him to do it. I left, and this time I texted him for my Uber, telling him that I would let him know when I got home safely. That was a week ago, and we didn't hang out this past weekend, but we've texted daily. I thought about the way I feel about him, and I've concluded it's the same way you feel when you meet someone who you fall in love with. Coupling that with his questioning me if I've ever fooled around with guys or had an experimental phase kind of makes me think he feels the way I do, and he, he may be gay or at least bisexual. I'm torn as far as what to do because I love this feeling, and I think I'm falling in love with him. <laughs> I know! <laughs> it feels so strange to type that out, but I think it's true. He is definitely flirting with me, and I have decided that I am definitely flirting back. Should I have a talk with him directly about this? Should I make a move? What if I do and it feels wrong? I have so many questions and I don't even know where to begin. Has anybody had this sort of thing happen? Is the reason I had no qualms with being single for so long because I lost interest in women? I've never been outwardly attracted to guys, but this isn't an attraction to a person physically. This is deeper than that, which is why it's really screwing with me. Aww. Sorry I rambled a lot, but just typing this has been therapeutic. Thank you for reading. Uh, too long, didn't read. Straight identifying guy makes new friend at a bar, talks to him every day, wondering if I'm falling in love with him. <laughs> that is so oh. pure and lovely. <laughs> and know. the fact that he... It's interesting for me to think that people reach out on such a public forum because of the anonymity mm -hmm. that they because I don't have that urge to just reach out and and focus group with a bunch of strangers. Right. Because it sounds like he knows what he wants to do. Yeah. But it's about letting it out publicly, like telling someone like I don't think he thinks he can tell his yeah. friends yet until he right. knows what it is. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like he needs he needs guidance on like, is it OK for me to. Does make anyone a move, else have this experience? You know? Yeah, like is this is what I'm feeling actually? Is it rational to say that it's that it's love? And when people don't trust their own feelings, they go, "I think that this is me falling for someone." Mm -hmm. But is it? Yeah. <laughs> but am I? Yeah. And for, by all accounts, it sounds like it is. Oh, it's so cute. That's my contribution this week. That was. Great. Wasn't that just a nice little opener? That was good, Hannah. <laughs> Frequently you. we do like openers that make us mad. <laughs> well, I'm I've been mad all week and I just didn't want to continue it, so <laughs> Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on, on our, our Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> oh no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively oh, yeah. for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. So this week, we've got a few new patrons that we need to give shout outs to. You have no idea how, like, what a happy dance I do when you tell me we have new patrons. You're doing it right now. I see right it right now. now. <laughs> it's very, it's very exciting and we appreciate it so much. Um, so it's I'm really, validating. it's very validating. <laughs> and I, so I'm really excited to be shouting out Chelsea and David. 
New Bad Bitch patrons. New Bad Bitch patrons. Um, another Chelsea, who is also a bad bitch. Chelsea E, thank you so much. Woo! And Alex S., <laughs> who I think we've been needing to shout out for a little while and we have neglected to do that. We suck so badly. I'm sorry, Alex, but thank you for being the most awesome bad bitch patron. You're the best. Why am I laughing at this so much, Hannah? Because you're you. (laughs) Deanna? Yes. Who is Alex S? My boyfriend. (laughs) Nice. My wonderful, loving, supportive boyfriend. Thank you, Alex, Chelsea and David, and Chelsea, we appreciate you guys so much, and we honestly could not do this without any of you. So this thank you. This is true. And uh, now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Bye. Bye. Sort of. Do you want to hear about a lady? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing it off my phone today because you you do it off your phone a lot, but now you have your computer, so we've swapped. Who knows what we've I'll swapped. do? Um, so uh, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Uh, my sources this week are bust.com. TheVintageNews.com, BadassOfTheWeek.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and Rejected Princesses. Ooh, we haven't had any Rejected Princesses in a while. I I actually didn't find this person through Rejected Princesses, but then when I was, you know, doing research, it popped up, and there were a couple of lines, the way that he wrote it specifically, that I was like, this is awesome, I'm including it. Yes, yes. Um, all right. And uh, uh, this this intro is totally cribbed from Badass of the Week. Fuck yeah. Because um, he writes amazingly. What's his name? Ben Thompson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So here we go. Get ready. You're going to love her. Oh, God. <laughs> Setting the scene. It was a cold, gray, rain-soaked day towards the end of the year in 1346... When the heavy wooden (laughs) iron doors of the Lord's Keep were slammed open with a jarring amount of force. A pair of guards quickly escorted two badly wounded men out of the rain into the darkly lit great hall, hurrying them forward with a sense of urgency. The men were pitiful to see, stripped of their weapons, armor, and uniform insignia, and bleeding from cuts and bruises across their body. Their eyes held the gaze of men who have witnessed untold horrors without even beginning to know uh, how the hell to process their reality. With a heavy sigh and the urging of the Baron, the two exhausted French sailors began retelling their story. Oh, my God. There had been black ships on the horizon, three of them almost mystically appearing through the thick fog on the English Channel like ghosts emerging from the veil of death itself. Jesus. Crimson sails, red as blood, propelled the terrifying ships through the water with inescapable speed. The Baron's men had done what they could. Archers launched fire arrows. Armored marines came to grapples with sword, spear, and axe. But in the end, the ferocity of the terrifying pirate fleet was too much. They were overrun in minutes. Then she came. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The pirate queen from hell. Oh, my God. Calmly striding along the deck, dragging a fearsome, well-worn axe behind her. Oh, my God. She picked out the leader. Her men pushed him down to the deck, and she lopped off the man's head like she was prepping a fucking pineapple for some badass pirate pina colada. (laughs) She picked out these two men by hand, pointing to them seemingly by random, at random. Her men immediately went to work decapitating every other surviving member of the crew. Jesus Christ. Before heading below decks to check the hold for treasure and plunder, the pirate queen looked both survivors in the eye with a cold, hateful stare. You've been left alive, she said, to tell your king that La Tigresse Breton has claimed another of his ships. 
Congreve was right. I just got shivers. Me too. Hell hath no fury <laughs> like a woman scorned. King Philip the Fortunate probably would have been wise to consider that before illegally arresting and executing Lady Jeanne de Clisson's husband, confiscating her land, and declaring her an outlaw to the French crown. Declaring her an outlaw. Well. Strap in. For the tale of Jeanne de Clisson, she was a French noblewoman turned pirate who was known as the scourge of Normandy coast during the early years of the Hundred Years' War in the mid-1300s. With a fleet of only three ships, she would go down in history as one of the most vicious pirates of her time. Uh, Already. There's that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm... Speechless. Mm-hmm. The scourge of Normandy coast. Uh huh. Holy shit. Yep. Holy shit. Yep. Oh my god. Get ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm. Not, I was not ready for that. I know. Jesus Christ. You just started in, and I was like, "This is way what? bigger than I thought it was going to be." Oh yeah. So she oh was born god. in Brittany, France, in the year 1300. So long ago. God damn. To wealthy, titled parents, Maurice IV of Belleville Montagu and Letice de Partenay. And uh, she had a story that started off as that of your average 14th century born uh, noblewoman. Ah, uh, yes. And by that, that obviously means that she got married <laughs> at the age of 12. Oh. People didn't live very long, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So they started as soon as you had your period. It was like, get ready. Start popping them out. Oh, God. So she got married um, at 12 years old to a 19 year old. Nobleman. All right. Well, 19 is better than some of them mm-hmm. get. Um, and at this time, she lived her life the, well, uh, the way a well-behaved noble lady was expected to. She was popping out babies. Um, her first husband died. So she remarried other rich, influential men. Um, so far, pretty standard stuff. Yeah. Um, by the time she reached her 30s, she was on to marriage number three wow. to nobleman Olivier de Clisson. But their marriage was actually really unique for the time because they genuinely loved each other. I was going to say, she's not chopping heads off for somebody she didn't love. She really loved him a lot. Oh, man. I think they had five kids together. She already had kids from her previous husbands. Um, Yeah. But yeah, she had five kids with him. Um, Good God. Unsurprisingly, with people being married off purely based on how it would help build up a family's wealth and title, true love matches were very few and far between. Yeah. Luckily, Jeanne and Olivier were the exception to that rule. And together they lived in a blissful bubble. They had five children and flitted between their family castle and manor with little to no drama. Life was perfect. Uh Uh-oh. That is, until war tore their world apart. Oh, no. In 1337, so she's 37 at this point. Damn! um, France and England were at each other's throats, fighting for the right to rule over France. So a little bit of historical background. Please and thank you. the Hundred Years' War here. Yeah. Uh, Ten years earlier, uh, French King Charles VI had died without leaving a clear heir, meaning the crown was up for grabs. And to make things worse, it wasn't your usual up for power grab. It went on so long, it became known as the Hundred Years' War. And uh, you know what makes any already confusing and convoluted war even better? That's right. Another mini war to take place within the already existing war. How does that work? Enter the War of Breton Succession. Oh, God. In 1341, John the Good of Brittany, who ruled over the homeland of Jeanne and her brood, died childless. 
meant there was no clear-cut heir to take his place. Apparently, France loves a theme, editorializing from that author. (laughs) Um, Thus, two rival factions made a claim to Brittany. John Montfort, Montfort, Mm. who was backed by the English, and Charles, Charles de Blois, who was both married to John's niece and had the nobility, uh, uh, French nobility's support. How do you stand it when I do French people and butcher you don't. the names? You don't. Okay. You say so. You don't do that bad of a job. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Here, listening to you, I'm like, wow. This is. It's really hard to say Blois for some reason. Blois? Blois. B-L-O-I-S. Blois. Blois. It is hard. Yeah, putting a B and an L next to each other in that way. We want to say Blois. 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 it looks like. <laughs> Blois. <laughs> the Blois. Um, <laughs> with the my Blois. <laughs> Getting beers with the Blois. <laughs> For the Blois. <laughs> um, oh, no. So not only, so France and England were fighting over basically what is northern France. Okay. And now there's even a claim within France for title over Brittany, Bretagne. So, as the battle over Brittany sped up, Olivier and Jeanne opted to live there, give their support to the noble favor of Charles de Blois. So the (laughs) French supported um, person um, with Olivier stepping into the role of one of his military commanders. Uh, ultimately, for him, it would prove to be a bad choice. Oh, no. In 1341, he was sent, her husband was sent to defend the town of Van against English invaders. But Van fell um, to the English, and Olivier and several others were captured and held for ransom by the English. Oh. So at this point, Jeanne was left alone with five kids. Her husband was locked up while there was a war going on. Uh, it was obviously a very hard and dark time in her life because she didn't know what was going to happen. Right. But then suddenly there was a a trade of prisoners. Okay. So the French were like, if you give us back these people, we'll give you your people uh, for ransom. And so the English set a price for the ransom. But um, weirdly, Olivier, her husband's ransom was slightly low or so it was perceived Hmm. by de Blois. And um, that made him slightly suspicious uh, for some oh. reason. But like he thought that they would buy him back and then he would tr- betray them somehow. Yes. OK. So but not to give away the punchline yes, here. Um, so to celebrate getting back the prisoners that the English had taken, um, de Blois held up a, uh, a tournament mm. and invited Olivier to take place in it. Jesus. Mm-hmm. We just got these prisoners back. They've probably been mistreated and they're and, malnourished. And, and at this current point, France and England signed a truce for two years. Um, wow. So there was the the flag of peace was up and the war was kind of paused. Okay. Yeah. So she got her husband back and they're living their noble lives again. And then um, the, the nobleman was like, hey, let's celebrate this. Come on. Come over. Surely. And do a tournament? Yeah. Okay. Surely. Bright future. But it was a ruse. Ugh. So Charles de Blois suspected his ransom was set so low because he had been working with the English as a spy. Uh-huh. Um, to assist their seizure of uh, Van. So he thought that he had betrayed him. 
with no evidence whatsoever. Just, just the it low. was because the English set a price for the ransom and he determined that it was too low, that it was suspicious. And so he had lured Olivier to the tournament so he could arrest him. Jesus Christ. Uh, and so he was detained and sent to Paris for trial. And there, under the blessing of French King Philip the Fortunate, he was sentenced to death, despite no clear proof of guilt found against him. And the king ordered his uh, execution to be public, which was a sentence reserved only for common criminals. And he was a nobleman, so that was like an extra slap Whoa. in the face. Uh, definitely not a dignified way for a nobleman to die. Die. Um, especially when there was a truce between England. It was the white flag. A peace was was up and everybody thought everything was great. Yeah. Um, so, but it, so it was actually like a shock to local aristocrats and the whole nation yeah. that a nobleman would be publicly executed especially with no evidence that he had done anything wrong. So there must have been some ulterior Who thing. knows? People were paranoid and stupid, and he was probably being manipulated by yeah. people whispering in his ear, and he wanted to make a show of, like, noblemen better not betray me. Right. Um, and then on top of all of that, um, her husband's body was desecrated, his body was strung up by the armpits, and his head was sent to be placed on a public spike in the capital of Nantes as a warning. Jesus Christ, that, like, so that obviously um, broke something inside of Jeanne, who actually loved her husband. Yeah. Because that was completely unfair. Yeah. Um, Well, and also just gruesome and awful. Yes. Unnecessarily so. Yeah. Um, And so whatever happened inside of her, she was broken and raging. Um, well, they fridged her husband. So yeah, and so she took her sons to to see their father's head mm. on a spike to make sure that they also knew how horrifying it was and how they should hate right the French. Be basically, sus- be suspicious of your government, your mm-hmm. your yep. kingdom. Yep, this king never is, trust this them. king is awful. Don't ever let him convince you otherwise. Yeah, look at what they did. This is some Game of Thrones shit. It, yes, it absolutely is Game of Thrones <laughs> shit. Th- there were a lot of Game of Thrones references in articles as I was doing I'm my research. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, her family's property was confiscated. So now she was not only husbandless, she was homeless. Um, God, so she decided to pack up her stuff, sell all of her belongings, raise a small army of fighters, and set out to avenge her husband. As you do. Uh, newly armed and incredibly dangerous, <laughs> she was determined to <laughs> seek bloody revenge on Charles de Blois and King Philip the Fortunate and France on the whole, the country that betrayed her. This is a movie, her. and uh, I am uh-huh. so glad to be watching. Uh-huh. Um, her first stop was to the castle owned by Galois de la Heuse, which he was a friend of Charles de Blois. So she turned up with her kids and asked Hey, can I come in? How old were her kids at this point? They were relatively young, but she okay. was, uh, I think she was like nearing 40. Yeah. At this point. Badass um, 40 Again, another story woman. about women who start doing crazy badass shit later. Gives they don't, me hope. You don't have to do everything young. Nope. Um, Not even course, in the 1300s. Yeah. Of course, they let her in. Yeah. Um, she was a grieving, widowed, suddenly homeless wife of a traitor. They felt sorry for her. Oh, and man. they definitely didn't see her as a threat. Oops. But by morning, everyone in the castle was dead. <gasps> everyone was dead. Oh, my God. No mercy. Um, Wait, did she do that by herself? Or no, did she, she like, let people in? small army of fighters. Oh, my God. That these were the men traveling with her. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, all except for a few wide-eyed survivors. This was her, like, MO. Uh, who Jean let flee so they could spread the word of what she did. Oh, yes. She didn't want to be unknown. She wanted people to know it was her. Right. And what she was doing. Yeah. Don't go back to war with the English. This is all fucking me. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, however, once news reached Paris, uh, she was immediately declared a traitor to the crown. Duh. As you would. And so the element of surprise was lost uh, if she wanted to continue attacking garrisons. Like, they wouldn't let in this poor right. grieving... W- people knew what the fuck was up. Right. So she decided to turn to the sea and to piracy, which proved uh, an easier place to conduct hit-and-run <laughs> missions. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. With what little she had left, the English king, knowing it would be beneficial for the French forces to be weakened, helped her to get three warships, which she painted black and had the sails dyed crimson red. And she re-entered the English Channel, and hilariously—it's not hilarious; it's awesome. Her main <laughs> ship, her flagship, was named My Vengeance. Holy! That was the name of her shit. ship. More chills. Just got more chills. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And so this editorializing is great. If you thought that seeing the flag of the pirate skull and crossbones set fear into the hearts of sailors, that surely had nothing on Jeanne and her merry band of murderers. French crews who saw those crimson sails emerging from the fog knew it meant one thing. They were about to die. Holy fuck. It was called her Black Fleet. Um, and they began raiding transport vessels belonging to Philip VI around 1343 is when she started doing this. So she was 43 years old. Oh, my God. She was disrupting supply lines and crippling the French army. In Waging her, her own war, yes. essentially. In her quest for vengeance, she was not alone. Jeanne, who earned the nickname the Lioness of Brittany, which uh, actually in French it's Tigress, which is Tigress, yeah, but whatever. whatever. It's been translated in English to the Lioness of Brittany, was sponsored by both the British and separatists within Brittany. Oh. In return, she provided the English with supplies during, during the Battle of Crecy in 1346. Damn straight. Tales of her cruelty echoed all the way to the throne room in Paris, as she would usually, of course, leave one or two survivors to tell stories firsthand. Her crew would set their sights on any and all French ships, any and all, without any sort of, like, consideration. French ship, go. Capturing them and killing their entire crew. Whoa. And unlike many other pirates, nobles were not kept for ransom money. Instead... Jeanne would behead them herself with her axe. Whoa. She was not having it with the aristocracy (laughs) within France. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't fucking protect her. Right. Her position was high. Yeah. And it didn't save her or her husband. Uh, With his country at war, things were already bad, but things started to look really unfortunate for King Philip the Fortunate. (laughs) (laughs) after he discovered that Jean was not only brutally murdering his ship's crews, but also using her fleet to provide supplies to English troops in France. Mm -hmm. Uh, Much of this particular time in her life has been turned into legend, meaning it's pretty hard to sift through uh, and tell fact from fiction. There are tales of her plundering French fishing villages and towns, joining English ships as they invaded France and beheading more people than Henry VIII on a really bad day, which that's funny because Henry VIII was after... He was in the 1500s. Oh, right. Um, You might think that King Philip the Fortunate dying in 1350 would have satisfied Jeanne's bloodlust and stopped (laughs) her quest for vengeance, but it didn't. Mm -mm. So she's 50 at this point. Damn, dude. Mm. In 1353, 
French forces raided her ships, killing most of them. Oh, shit. Um, and she narrowly escaped with her children, who I presume were significantly older at this point. Holy, I was going to say. Like they, teenagers, at least. Are they like pirates with her? Yeah, I think they're part of oh her crew. Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, this, it's a family of pirates. <laughs> for five days and nights, she rode. Even as her youngest child grew very sick and died, oh. she continued rowing. And on the sixth day, they were picked up by Montfort forces and had made it to England. So the Montforts were the people in Brittany who were like on the side of the English. Oh. But they went to England. Following this, Jeanne and her surviving son sought exile there. And from here, her story takes a weirdly unexpected turn. <laughs> Uh-oh. She found love again. Uh, oh. And the lioness of Brittany decided she would be a pirate no more. All right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> she met an English knight who was also a high-ranking officer in the English army. His name was Sir Walter Bentley. And that for the first familiar. time in years, she must have felt a joy she thought had been lost forever. Aww. And security, because he was high-ranking. He had money, and, and she was able to not worry, because the right. English had only ever supported her. Right. Um, they married in 1356. She was 56 years old. <laughs> And she returned to the secure, quiet, married life that she had left behind decades before. Oh, my God. Excuse those, what, two decades or a decade and a half like where I was years, a pirate? Like a bloodthirsty, murderous, like unmerciful pirate. Mm-hmm. I mean, murderous is like even almost putting it lightly. Mm-hmm. The number of people that she clearly the People dispatched. she beheaded herself. Um, Yeah. So with her new husband by her side, she actually moved back to Brittany and oh. they, li- they lived happily in Hunnebon Castle until she died peacefully in 1359. <laughs> her story has been an inspiration for many written accounts and legends. Like many accounts from this period, it's difficult to determine fact from fiction. Mm. But and so but we know that she existed. Yeah, because there are records uh, historical documents that verified aspects of her story and present a loose timeline for uh, her change in allegiance from France to England. Wow. She was definitely publicly declared a traitor to the crown. And there was there's just a lot of documents that show that she existed and was troublesome right. to the French government, to say the least. <laughs> um, yeah. Regardless, Jean de Clisson was clearly a force of nature to be reckoned with. And vengeance was the game that she played the very best. Wow. Bam. I feel like that was a wild ride that I just steamrolled right through. (laughs) Yeah, I am speechless. I don't even know how to process that. Just because, like, we love pirate stories. We love pirate stories. And I've never heard of her. And hers is extreme. Hers is also, like, the most Hollywood pirate story I have ever heard. Well, people think about, um, there was, like, reference in one of the the articles written about her about how, if anybody thinks that Elizabeth Swan from Pirates of the Caribbean sounds far-fetched because she was, like, a noble lady who became a pirate, obviously not. Yeah. That is... It happens. There's precedent for that story. She was... I have goosebumps. She was in her 40s and became like a murderous, bloodthirsty pirate queen, basically. Who terrified... I would not want to have met her. France. Yeah, no. I I don't... I certainly don't... I think it's a very complex story, her story. I, I certainly understand how she could become what she became. Yeah. But holy shit... 
God, I just the you the can't fact, satiate her bloodlust. No, the fact that she just terrorized France almost single-handedly. Yeah, with three ships. That's with, it. With three ships and her children. Fucking Swiss Family Robinson of pirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's insanity. I've never heard a story like that. She's nuts. The, what? Okay, what do they call her in France? Le tigress. Uh, 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 La Tigresse de Bre- Bretagne. The Tigress of Brittany. Lioness of Brittany. Dude. Which is crazy. And it makes sense because lionesses, tigresses protect their young and young. families. Yeah. We need to, like, Someone become... make a movie say, of all the women we talk about. But this we... one would sell. It's real. That's why I say it's, like, so Hollywood. Like, you have this, you know, this woman who comes from humble you know a humble marriage and she loves her husband and it's all dandy and then he dies Ruth Wilson in this role immediately who Ruth Wilson who that she's from uh she's Luther and oh yeah right Mm, that would be pretty awesome and she's gonna be in his dark materials now yeah she is Mm -hmm. all right Ruth Wilson as our Pirate, pirate queen, pirate queen, la tigresse de Bretagne. Wow, we need to partner up with like Reese Witherspoon or something and get her production company just like just to to bankroll this. Yeah, in the way that people are doing um, those. Actually, it's interesting. Like now, people are making deals with Amazon and Hulu and Netflix the way they used to way back in old Hollywood when you would just have a a contract with a studio contract. Yeah, we need that with. Um, someone like Reese Witherspoon, who yeah. just like promises Wants to make to... female-centered stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, this is gold. There's no way that this movie wouldn't do well if it was done right. This movie is fucking. It wrote itself. Gold. It wrote itself. It wrote itself. And the fact that she like rode for five days toward England when her ship was like sunk. It's insane. With her children. That is an insane One story. Died. I'm obsessed. Right? Yes, I'm obsessed. Oh, my God. And then she just fell in love with someone else and is like, I guess I'm done with that. I'm done with that pirate life. I'm going to go be in love and for my remaining years with a knight. Yeah. Okay. They were only married for three years because she was 56 in the 1300s, which that's a ripe old age at that time. That's I'm floored. I'm just floored. Dude, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> you want some some on this day nuggets of, of weirdness? Yes. Give me some nuggets of weirdness. So this episode is going to air on September 4th. Mm-hmm. So September 4th, 1781, Los Angeles is founded as El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora de uh, la Reina de los Ángeles, which is the village of Our Lady, Whoa. Queen of the Angels, wow. by 44 Spanish settlers. Damn. So tiny. 1781. That's how old L.A. is as a city. L.A. I didn't know you were that old. And I'm so sorry for my horrible Spanish pronunciation pronunciation, <laughs> and English, apparently. Uh, I can pronounce <laughs> French words all day long. Spanish. But it makes all the other languages harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I did okay. You did. September 4th, 1888. George Eastman registers the trademark Kodak and receives a patent for his camera that uses roll film. Well, well, well. Yep. September 4th, 1948, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands abdicates for health reasons. Oh. 
Uh, September 4th, 1949, the Peekskill riots erupt after a Paul Robeson concert in Peekskill, New York. And apparently the Peekskill riots were anti-communist race riots directed against uh, black Americans and Jewish Americans who were attending a civil rights benefit concert. In Peekskill? Never heard of it. Peekskill is like two hours north. Yeah. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Insane. Wow. Okay. September 4th, 1951. The first transcontinental television broadcast takes place in San Francisco from the Japanese Peace Treaty Conference. Wow. Yep. 1957, Little Rock Crisis, Orville Phobos, Phobos, governor of Arkansas, calls out the National Guard to prevent African-American students from enrolling in Central High School. Oh, no. Clearly, he was on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1972. I thought this one was interesting. Mark Spitz becomes the first competitor to win seven medals at a single Olympic Games. Wow. And also, September 4th, 1972, The Price is Right premieres on CBS. And it is currently the longest running game show in American television. What year? 1972. Oh, my God. And I think it was Bob Barker all the way back then. (laughs) I think so. It took until relatively recently for Drew Carey, I think, is the one doing it now. Oh, fuck. You're right. Yeah. And then. Oh, my God. This is uh, a huge part of my specific nerdiness that we were even discussing earlier. September 4th, 2001, Tokyo Disney Sea opens to the public as part of the Tokyo Disney Resort in Japan. Tokyo Disney Sea is supposed to be one of the best theme parks on the planet. Do they treat their animals okay? Well, it's not SeaWorld. They don't have any It's like Disneyland, Disney Sea. So it's like it's water themed. There's like ships... There's a big uh, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth volcano ride. Ooh, that's cool. The Instead of Autopia, which Autopia is where you drive the cars in Disneyland, they okay. have Aquatopia, which you're like on little <laughs> oh my God. cars that go through two inches of water, but it looks like you're in deep water. That sounds 20,000 like Leagues Under the Sea ride. That sounds like so much fun. It's supposed to be thematically one of the best, but it's just it's more water themed. Well, um, happy birthday, Tokyo. Disney Sea. Disney Sea. <laughs> it's officially been open, I guess, 18 years now. Wow. Which means that a child born on that day is an adult in this country. Jesus. <laughs> well, thanks for that existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, appreciate it. Mm. Dude, thanks. What are you excited about? I'm excited about finally um, having a few days off. <laughs> In uh, the coming weekend, we're going to go upstate yeah. and stay in a um, cabin-y kind of thing in the Berkshires and maybe go apple picking if there's Dude. some orchards open, now which I think September. they are. And this yeah. is what's happening. Just I've never been apple picking. I've lived in New York for four years now, and I've never gone apple picking. It's the most basic fucking fall thing to do I, here. I know. But it's like going to a pumpkin patch elsewhere. Right. In I, New York, you go apple picking. The last time I went apple picking, I lived in Canada. So I, you know, that was 15 years ago at this point. No, longer. More than that, More Hannah. than that. 18. 16? Oh, my Fucking, God. I don't know. Speaking of existential crises. Uh, <laughs> but that was the last time I went apple picking. So I want to go at least once. Yeah. I want to go, too. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. Awesome. Apple picking and some days off. I love that. I'm a simple girl. Simple pleasures. And we're back in from the for the beginning. Simple things in life that bring us joy. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You looked like you were having an existential crisis. <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's the, 
kind of day it's gonna be i think yep uh well on that note maybe i should go have my existential crisis off off mic um, off mic and uh in the meantime you can find us on social media yep we're on instagram and twitter at gwbb podcast Mm -hmm. and you can also email us if you've got cool ladies you want us to talk about please email us about them at gmail.com yep we have a patreon and we have a patreon patreon.com slash gwbb podcast please uh please go check that out and become a patron and otherwise we'll see you next week yep peace out witches have a good week bye for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. <laughs> Hannah Ferguson. And we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play. Google Play. Pretty much more. anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com we love to receive emails if you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air uh, shoot it over to us we would love to read it if you want to help keep us running you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. <laughs> become a patron and help us you know pay for our hosting yeah patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content and it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast and it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out if you like it you can be a part of it also to help us out you can rate review and subscribe all of the all of those things are extremely helpful for us they help other listeners find us yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce.